Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the CycleCast. Thanks for streaming via CycleFeed.xyz. Uh, we are also available on iTunes, and if you have an Android device, you could download Podcast Addict and search us from there. Uh, today, we have a very special guest who is one of the pillars of the fixed gear racing uh, events here in Southern California. You know, this past weekend, he just organized the Wolfpack Hustle Race, Shortline Crit in Long Beach, and we'd really like to welcome... Don Roadblock Ward. And you know what? I am sorry. I forgot to even. Dude, screw your co host, man. Fuck, damn Get it. rid of that guy. I just started reading. I'm sorry. I started reading. Did I die? I'm here or with my co No. But did I die, uh, though? Ronnie didn't die. But did I die, though? No. <laughs> I'd like to bring in my co host. Ronnie Toad. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're here with Don Ward. Thanks nice. for tuning in. How you doing, Don? I'm doing good. More importantly, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, man. Nothing, uh, nothing noteworthy. And happened. don't forget, <laughs> just because today's Ronnie's birthday. He's working yeah. on his birthday. <laughs> how old are you, Ronnie? For uh, real? Super old. Probably like 49. Yeah. Oh, 49. Yeah. I might be your dad. You never know. Oh, uh, no. Dude, the 80s were crazy. I'd be a little more light skinned. That I think. milk, that milkman <laughs> life. Yeah. You're caramel. You're enough caramel. I am caramel. Yeah. yeah. Is your mother Judith? Mm, any chance? No, no, no. Yeah. Her name's Spiza. Pr- probably not your dad then. <laughs> so, that's funny. Um, Don, what's going on? Don's a legend. He is a legend. Uh, How culture? Like a uh, a serious like Los Angeles legend. Like somebody that's not from L.A. Me not being from L.A. Like nah. you hear. The I moved here probably about five or six years ago, and when I first started cycling, you hear rumbles in the streets of like the people that are really, really important. Roadblock. And uh, I didn't even know Don. I just roadblock, roadblock. Well, who's roadblock? This tall ass guy, <laughs> you know, and he he runs Wolfpack Hustle. Well, what's Wolfpack Hustle? It's the fastest ride in in LA, you know. And then like <laughs> everybody, you can't you if you could keep up with them, you get a sticker at the end. Like I'm telling you, like the real like what true? people told me. Uh, well, everyone got a sticker in the beginning. Yeah, but if you rode with the ride and you could prove. Not not necessarily that you're fast enough, but that you could take care of the ride, that you were down for the ride. Okay. Then you right. get a spoke card after about a year or so. A year or so. You got to okay. earn that. That's yeah, a big you deal. Earn it. Yeah. Some, some people got it quicker. A lot, a lot of people rode for years and never got one. So yeah. what, what years are we talking about? When did this start? Uh, we really started, it started with a Midnight Riders ride. Okay. It's called the Tron ride. The Tron I heard ride. about that in college. Yeah, it's, it was basically Midnight Riders wow. is this slow party ride that was going since, I don't know, 2004. Right. And um, we did this route where it was three routes, and one of them was fast-paced. Mm-hmm. And the guys that went on that ride, guys and gals, um, came back and they were like, dude, <laughs> we just blasted down to Commerce and like up Washington, and it was so fun. And and uh, out of that, it became uh, you know impromptu tangs at ten, meet at tangs donuts and right. roll out. And um, it wasn't necessarily Monday nights; it was whatever night it was. Just random Any text random message night? tangs. You know, then we go there at usually about 10 o'clock and just blast off somewhere in L.A. Wow. Yeah. And we rode really stupid, too. We were running lights. Uh-huh. Um, just Like real dumb. fixie goon shit. Yeah, just dumb <laughs> shit. And um, by the time we made it an official Midnight Riders ride in 2006, um, you know, we were starting to talk like, okay, we got to make this thing mm-hmm. safer. We can't be those guys, you know? Right. 
right. the progression of Wolfpack, you know? Yeah. From yeah, the very like pretty early on, we decided we were going to re- try to make it as safe as possible because, you know, my boy Hayden, who uh, I started the ride with, uh, he uh, f- almost got, you know, so close to getting hit. And there really? was somebody tailing behind him that also very close and he, they both crashed into a wall or something. Oh. <laughs> wow. Yeah, We've so got a name for that now. We call it the Budenoff breakaway. Yeah. When That's somebody funny. shoots through a light to break away on Montrose. Or See, Budenoff is the remnant of Wolfpack Hustle of the, the more outlaw okay. times. He was hard to control, that guy. Okay. Wasn't he? I think he was signed up for Wolfpack, wasn't he? I didn't he see was him on there, the Wolfpack though. team. No, oh. he was signed up for this past weekend. I didn't see yeah, him there, I though. Yeah, I did see his name, too. Um, he didn't put a team down. I, um, you know, I Who is this? This Budenoff guy. Uh, John Budenoff. He's just he's a fixie foo turned roadie. Uh-huh. He's a cat three roadie. He was a fixture at the Rose Bowl in Montrose. But cool. He likes running red lights and uh, drafting minivans. So. Is he still nice. riding crazy? He rides pretty pretty reckless. Yeah, he's <laughs> wow. a reckless. <laughs> reckless dude, reckless okay. character, that guy. No, that, I'm just kidding. He's nice. If you're in LA, I mean, you know, we call him Booty Soft. If, if you know ah. Booty Soft, <laughs> Booty Soft. Booty Soft. I want to know more about that one. No. <laughs> I don't want to know why somebody's name is Booty Soft. <laughs> John Budenoff, Booty Soft. Booty yeah. Soft. Can you imagine if he Budenoff is, is um, a monster on that uh, Feel My Legs? Yeah, that's oh, his ride. Okay. That's, his, that's his event. I came wow. out and did that for the first time this past year. and he was definitely a force to be reckoned with. He won, right? He won, yeah, like, every I think game. I only beat him on like on Fargo. Or no, was it not Fargo? Um, what's the steepest one? Baxter or might be Effie. El- Eldred? That'd be Eldred. Eldred. Oh, was the Eldred. Only one. Uh, that was the only one I had a chance yeah, on because it's like short and like thirty percent, so I can just power it out. That's the steepest one. Yeah. Eldred. Yeah. And you beat him on that? Yeah, that that's was, incredible. That was the only one I won. I think I had the KOM on it before, so it was probably just in my head. What? As wow. Because it's less like the longer it is cardio wise, when it's that steep, your power to weight really plays in. Huh. Well, like if it's short and just punchy, you know, a bigger rider. That's yeah. cool. I'm like 175. See, you, this is the wisdom. I need to like hang out with, with Ronnie <laughs> yeah. and, and learn this stuff. Ronnie has a lot of yeah, wisdom. You After be all potent. these years, I still don't really know. <laughs> know what your strength is. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> Going back to. Uh, Wolfpack, how did you feel like as you started this ride and you saw the progression of where it was going, more people showing up, the idea of like the rumbling in the streets again, just kind of like being that kid floating around, shooting photos, hearing like who's really important or what people do. Like, how did that feel for you? Was it to you? Was it just like a like, dude, I'm just doing me. I'm just bike riding. Or did it get to a point where I'm trying to figure out how to say this? I started rambling a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, paint us a picture. Like, how many people started this? What kind of people? I mean, I know you said that, you know, you guys would run red lights, but, like, how many people, like, how does this turn from a ride? Like, what, did it start with five people? Did it start with ten people? And then, like, it just kind of progressed from there, and then you decided to make it something more official, or? Yeah, so it pretty much was about five to seven dudes, meeting at Tang's for the first year or so randomly. And um, Jack Lindquist was there, um, who's a monster, monster um, rider. I don't know if you might know him from... Uh, I've heard that name. Is he a master's rider now? Probably. <laughs> Over 35? He's definitely a monster. Mm-hmm. He lives up in Oregon now. Cool. 
He's like that guy, but on bikes. Wow. <laughs> Wolfpack hustle, undisclosed location here. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was just like five guys, and we had like our smoke breaks, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, then I I had a mountain bike, and I got a road bike. Oh. And, and then it was like this whole new world. It was okay. My. my my Were, road you were bike. always on a mountain bike before you got a road bike. I had a mountain bike with slicks. That's what I was doing midnight riders with. Oh wow! Okay, okay. And uh, I tried to hang on. I was like, no, I'm gonna stick with my mountain bike. This okay. is my bike, you know. And um, it was just starting to get really fast. And I was like, all right, fuck it, I'm gonna get a road bike. Right, right, right. And it was like the best. It unleashed the beasts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> That's cool. That's really cool. Where was the transition? Do you say? When you went, started going to fix, thanks for our producer vet. But yeah, going the, to fix? yeah. Uh, I've never, I don't ride fixed gear bikes. You don't? No. Why not? That's interesting. Um, I feel like I, I risked my life enough uh, skateboarding and BMXing all my life that by the time uh, I got to the point where I was riding bikes again, I was just like, road bikes are cool. I, 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 it was always hard to find a bike that was my size. What and size bike do you need? Tell people how tall you are just in case they haven't seen you in person. I'm six foot seven and three quarters. Six foot seven and three quarters. And how tall is Michael Jordan? Six six, five, right? Five foot nineteen. <laughs> yeah, five foot nineteen. <laughs> I, tell people, I tell people that. Uh, that's funny that you said that. Uh, Michael Jordan, I don't know, six seven probably. Yeah. I'm probably the same size as Michael Jordan. When he walked through Jeez. the door, he kinda had to like take his head underneath it and I was like Damn, yeah, that's I'm right, I'm right at the, the doorway height is 6'8", so I always have to watch that because wow. some doorways are not standard height. What <laughs> size bike do you need? Um, somewhere in the range of uh, 64 to... And my Cannondale is a 69 centimeter. A 60? It's <laughs> a little bit big for me. I love that that's bike crazy. because it's one of the only things on earth that's too big for me yeah you know? yeah it's like slightly big and um i like how it's just proportionate i don't have this big long seat stem right and handlebar stem or whatever you call it uh-huh. sticking up uh-huh. it looks like a regular bike right right except the wheels look small the 700s look like 650s wow that's, that's what crazy. people tell me <laughs> that's so funny we gotta somebody has to figure out how to make you a bike that's your size so you can well, at least ride it i think i'm gonna get a surly i've been looking at oh, yeah? surleys i want to get a, a touring bike with uh okay. disc brakes that's that's my next Do you, uh, goal are you getting into touring i've always been into just riding bike touring yeah i've done some bike touring but it's mostly just you know riding just mm-hmm. riding far and having something solid i need a bike that i can uh, destroy that yeah. I can't destroy, you know. Right. And, and I destroyed. I bought a specialized. The first bike I got, I got a, a specialized road bike. Uh-huh. And uh, like a year later, I had already snapped off the bottom crank. Ooh. You know, and the 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 what do you, what do you call that part? The tube that holds the cranks. <laughs> the chain stay. The, the tube that holds. Are you kidding? I don't no, know. Yeah. The bottom bracket. The, the bottom, bottom bracket. bracket. So I was like, wait, the bottom bracket, right? <laughs> I'm really bad with bike parts. I don't care about bike parts. Uh-huh. I don't care about bike brands. I don't care what bike you're riding. I just right. want to know where we're going. Oh, going? that's yeah. good. That's a good point. That's <laughs> we a good just found out. the uh, the show episode title right there. <laughs> I don't care what you're riding, but where are we going? Where are we going? Yeah. That's a that, good... that was the philosophy of Wolfpack too, because it was a midnight riders ride on right. the calendar. And if you get on the midnight riders calendar, the the rules are it's all inclusive. Okay, anybody can go. It's right. got to be free. Right. 
And that's and you you know pick up your trash or whatever. Midnight, no rider left behind. Midnight Riders was a big deal for me because I moved here in. 2000, I don't know, 2011, 2010, 2011, and I just, I told myself I'm not driving, I'm, I'm from Northern California, you, I drove over 100 miles a day just to get to school, just to do anything, because wow. I lived in a very rural area, uh-huh. and so, um, just to get out of the county, you have to do at least 40 minutes of driving, uh-huh. and uh, to get anywhere, and so I was like, fuck cars, I want to drive, I want to get a bike, and so I got a bike, but instead of just ride, I lived right down the street from school, and I was like, I kind of want to do bike rides. You know, I know people are doing bike rides out here. And then through the bike shop that I went to, he was like, well, just go on Midnight Riders. Ah, and I went to Midnight Riders, and it was for me, it was like such a big deal to be like, yo, I could go <laughs> to this website, and I could see any ride happening at any time of the night see, in this city. Oh, that was yeah. a big deal to me. You, know? you caught the tail end of it, too. Yeah, like, I did. The, I think the, I really did. The crescendo of Midnight Riders, I would say, is 2010. Oh, really? Yeah, 2010, 2011, then, you know, it just sort of all went to Facebook, which I think is fucking terrible i think so too you can't go to one place and see right the entire bike scenes conversation exactly you you have to know the right people and then even then you can't see i couldn't even find my own goddamn event when i was trying to find it this weekend (laughs) to give somebody an address i'm like where the hell is the fucking yeah it's like on midnight riders it was google searchable right and the stream there was no algorithm it's whatever the bike community was thinking at that time right was at the top of the stream Right, you know, and it would change every second. You could mm-hmm. refresh it, and it would change. New shit would happen. Right, right, right. Yeah. Do you think that's something that could come back in a way? Or do you think Facebook's kind of saturated uh, everybody in, in a way? I think I think maybe if it came back as a mobile app, you know, right. And, um, I've been on the hunt for mobile app developers to do a mobile app, but um, it, it's uh, mobile apps. I'm, I mean, They're I'm pricey. a web, I'm a web designer by trade, and right. I, I'm flaky. I know I'm flaky. Yeah. <laughs> like, web designers are the most notorious flakes ever. Yeah. Web developers, so. Well, you're doing something right, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. How did, how did you stumble upon uh, Austin? When did you decide to make that, that expansion to having Civic Center, Shortline, and Austin Wolfpack? So, I kind of just follow where people invite us. Mm-hmm. And um, that's why we did Huntington Park. Oh. And um, that's why we did Long Beach. And Austin was the same situation. There was um, a guy, my friend, you know, a guy that I knew through Red Hook. His name is Dalton. And uh, he owns D1 Bike Shop out there. And um, he wanted to bring it out to Austin. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I've only, I'd never been to Austin before. So, you know, and, and I know the Angelopes go out there for South by Southwest and ride their tall bikes around. And I always miss that party because of the marathon crash race. Right. But I was like, hell yeah, I want to go to Austin because I've heard all these great things about it. It's like a liberal bubble inside of Texas. A moat yeah. of, yeah, insanity. And uh, I, Totally. I went out there and we looked around the city trying to find like, you know, potential locations. Capitol building was very interesting to me. I'm very interested in like government buildings because really? they're because. Yeah, because I think things like parking restrictions and business sign offs are less where there's government buildings. Mm-hmm. And that's why we do Civic Center Crit. OK. Um, but it turns out Austin 
has way too many events in their downtown area, so they've actually banned new events from happening, I guess. Really? Yeah, so the driveway Austin was the perfect place to okay. host it because it's just a, a racetrack. Mm-hmm. And people were saying that it was a little outside of the city a little bit, where yeah. I wasn't able to go, but explain like that. If you That's, can. That was a major drawback. It's It's on the outside of the city. It's near the airport. And the unfortunate thing is, is it's right on the other side of a freeway Mm. and there is no other way to get to it other than getting on this, like, it's a highway actually, but it really is a freeway. It's Mm -hmm. like four lanes in each direction or something. And it's insane. And just getting to it is insane. But that's where it is. Getting to it by bike, though, um, there is a bike path that goes out there incredibly and it drops you right off, which is cool. Is it a decent? It goes from the city of Austin, obviously, all the way. Yeah. Is it a de- decent bike path? It's really cool bike path. Uh-huh. Um, I did get to ride out there one day, um, and it, and Austin is just this beautiful, beautiful little urban suburban thing. Like there's a river. Uh, <laughs> there's a river. There's a beautiful river that, with springs, Barton Springs. You can go okay. swimming. That's cool. Did I went springs. swimming, really? Oh, yeah. the best. Cool. I, I want to go back so bad. And everybody out there's just the best. Um, Cycle East D1 Bicycles ended up going out of business, and oh. yeah, so he couldn't complete the commitment. Um, so it was kind of a stressful situation, but wow. we got it all handled. That's good. How is the cycling scene in Austin? Do you They're know, like, other than the best? It's okay. like, it's like they have a, I think it's Thursday night, a Thursday night ride mm-hmm. um, that happens every week. It's just like midnight riders. Okay, um, just beautiful people of all walks of life. You know? I know they've got their race uh, series out on the uh, the Wolfpack Hustle Course. The oh, wow. kind of like their Rose Bowl mm-hmm. or NPR. Um, Thursday nights or Wednesday nights, I forget what Driveway it is. Driveway series on yeah. Thursday nights, are yeah. The best. Colin, uh, Colin Strickland of, um, what is it? Of the, now the specialized team and of Elbows Racing, he's out there every Thursday. Crushing cool. It. He lives in Austin, Texas, right? Yeah, he's in Austin. They, cool. that, that Driveway series is really cool, and Andrew Willis um, runs that, and they actually basically co-produced mm-hmm. the Austin race for Wolfpack, and mm-hmm. they were so helpful and. So kind, like uh, even you know they're a very popular series, and we were sort of this new thing coming, and we were under budget, and um, they worked with us, and they even uh, uh, you know they usually have this end of the year party, and they were like we're gonna we're gonna hold off, we're not gonna do our end of the year party, we're gonna hand it over to you, and uh-huh. and uh, that was really gracious of them because mm-hmm. they could have totally just moved forward and had their own party and. And our party would probably still be cool, but mm-hmm. you know it's better to have the whole community together. And they did that, and it was great. That was such a cool course out there. I love that. Great course, um, safe mm-hmm. grass surrounding section, mm-hmm. sweeper. Yeah. go kart, go karts. That was my my favorite thing. Was we had go kart. Go karts for pace oh, pace vehicles. Nice, it's nice. like was that a Mazda Miata? Like no, no, no. It was, it was a go kart. It was literally those little go-karts. They're like, these were pro-style go-karts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The ones David Trimble was talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They can reach like 100 miles an hour Right, or right, right. That's and crazy. a go-kart can't stall. So, I mean, that's an added bonus. They could stall. <laughs> I'm kidding. They could stall. Oh, <laughs> There's always human error. Yeah, that's they funny. could definitely stall. And that was... Uh, the, the driver was... The, the guy that owns 
the driveway, uh, the Austin driveway, is this um, professional, former professional race car driver, and his son is a professional race car driver. Mm-hmm. And um, his son was super cool, super cool, mm-hmm. and great driver. And he had an assistant who was like a like he was mentoring. That was the the uh, the uh, sweep vehicle. Okay. And they just did a great job. That's cool. Yeah, I would love to go back. I don't think we're gonna make it back this year, but yeah. I w- go ahead. Yeah, going back to um, the idea that you throw a lot of races in government buildings. Um, what is for you? I mean, you're you're an incredibly um, opinionated figure in the cycling <laughs> community, um, and you know you are known definitely recently to have uh, very strong political views and and whatnot. So. For you, cycling is well. Cycling is very much a subculture, right? Mm-hmm. So, for you, what are the cultural implications of or, or that like um, bridge between government and cycling, and, and what does it represent for you and like the entire Wolfpack uh, brand? Yeah. So the interesting thing about cycling in Los Angeles is it is, uh, you know, especially in 2004, before any of this stuff blew up, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I even, you know, used to commute every once in a while way back. And uh, for the longest time, for the whole time that I've been alive and I'm born and raised here, it's like commuters on bikes are treated like, you know, third class people. They're broke people, basically. That's right. the way that cyclists were viewed for forever, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm a car driver, you know, you know, I I didn't get a car till you know I was like 19 years old or something, but which is pretty young. That's but, pretty early, yeah. Yeah, but but that shows you like mm-hmm. at the time that was considered to be a little bit late, almost. You know, really amongst my peers, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, uh, so when it comes to cycling and especially group riding, where you're sort of taking over the lane and the drivers are going, well, what the, you know, what the fuck are all these broke people doing on the road? Get them off the road. You know, um, this is for the cars. Midnight Riders was different from critical mass because the, the, the woman who started it, Kim Jensen, my friend, uh, she always wanted it to be a friendly affair and not a protest. It was was a fun adventure on a Friday night, not during work hours like critical mass was. There was a critical mass here. It had about 30 people and it was just seen as this antagonistic kind of thing Mm -hmm. by me as well. You know, just not really knowing anything about it. So when this adventuresome thing happened that was midnight riders, like, you know, get home from work, take a shower, throw your bike in the car, drive over to the start, mm-hmm. and we're going to go on an adventure. And it was like, wow, I haven't done this in, you know, since I was 15 years old. You know, like, this is so cool. Like, um, we're, we're riding around downtown L.A. And, right. and you know, all those all those skate spots I used to ride, you know, and right. I forgot about this. You know, and, and uh, I was actually skateboarding that night. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it, it was just like an awakening of like the the you know like when you're a kid mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know like that's i i could i could definitely attest to that obviously having ridden a bike when i was a kid stopped all the way till the age of like 22 23 discovering los angeles like i felt like a kid i always tell people like riding through la is like kind of like playing a video game almost oh, you totally. know 
and it's 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 like playing a video game a video game that you're just seeing beautiful things but having to pay attention at yeah, the same might... time it's for me it's the scenery because i'm not from here like, it's like frogger yeah exactly <laughs> but on bikes right right so that feeling that excitement and doing the group rides mm-hmm. You know, progress and progressed, and then we put up the website, and then it became this community, and there was a ton of rides happening, and it got to the point where there was like three or four rides every single night. Mm-hmm. You know, wow. and and that wow. just just constant activity on the website. But then you'd see, oh my God, like uh, someone got hit, you know? right? Someone got hit and run. Someone right. got killed. You know, ooh. You know, like right. you, you start like tripping out because these are your friends. You know, exactly. these are people. This could be me. You know, and so there was this guy, Stephen Box, okay, who was an older dude. He, you know, and I'm an older dude too, but he was even older. Okay, but uh, he came around and he was uh, just into local politics. Okay, and in fact, he ran for city council way, way back, and. He organized a ride to City Hall where we were supposed to go to this meeting on a Wednesday at 2 p.m., the Transportation Committee meeting in room 1010 in City Hall. I know that room well now, but back then it was like, all right, cool, we're riding bikes. Dope, another ride, cool. Yeah. You know, the the excitement of just riding bikes was what brought us all out. There was like 50 people. Mm -hmm. And we show up, and you're in this, like, room with city council police ladot and members of the public and there's a panel in front of you Mm -hmm. and it's all you know hoity-toity like super legit what's on the agenda today yeah 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 Yeah, all of this jargon and you're like okay yeah and then they're like asking it was about our shit so this guy andres um you know was hit on a group ride and it was a hit and run and the, the the Hummer tried to get away. Uh, Krista, like, the, the group ride stopped him at a light or something. Krista gets out in front of the car the, with her bike to try to stop the guy from getting away, and he just runs it over. And she jumps out of the way, and the bike gets stuck under the car, and he has to stop, like, two blocks later. A cop stops him, and everybody Ooh. rolls up, and they're like, this guy hit us, you yeah. know, this and that. But the cop took his side. Wow. Yeah. The cop the cops didn't release a report, a report. I think even to this day they haven't released a report. And they um he basically was just like, well, you guys were in the road. You know, you guys were in the road and you shouldn't be in the road. What was, year was this again? I'm sorry. Uh I think it was like 2008. Okay. All right. Yeah. Wow. You know? And Midnight Riders had already become this thing. The cops knew about it. You know, they're, they're, it's like seeing, uh, you know, protests in the street to the cops. Right. Like, right, oh, my right. God, all the broke people are protesting. Or something, you know? like, <laughs> like, all the poor people are out, the plebes. Right. And, the uh, <laughs> and uh, we went to this meeting and, and they're talking in order. And, and, you know, like, I don't know. I just started talking. I was like, that's bullshit, you know, or something. Or like, that's not right. This this is what actually happened. And you're like getting shushed. Right, right, right. And the cops, the the sergeant at arms is like threatening you, you know, with kicking you out. out. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, oh, sorry. You know, like, all right. Um, Just a plebe. Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. You get your chance to talk. 
We we all got our two minutes. You mm-hmm. know, you get your two minutes to talk. I know the whole whole. I know the whole deal. Okay. I know it down to minutia. Like you don't want to have public comment before the presentation, because oh. the person that gets the last word in, then the council office has something to. Uh, you know, has political cover to make this decision because the person that got the last word in is the police and the LADOT, okay. and you can't rebut it because no, you, you already can't. had your two minutes. Politics. Yeah. Okay. So that's a trick. Okay. So f- and now I we know. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, it's just. It's just you want to gouge your eyes out. like. How did that end up for you at the end after you guys showed up to this event? This is the first time you saw this. How did they you explain the story to them about how this guy got hit, the cops really didn't do anything? Yeah. Did they just kind of brush it under the rug? Yeah, they just basically steamrolled us. You wow. Know? You know, they were just like, well... They, they, you know, they give you some lip service. They say, well, we'll yeah. revisit in 180 days, which is another trick. In other words, we'll make it so that in 180 days, you're going to have to go and rally all these people again. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's hard as fuck to do on right. Wednesday, 2 p.m. during work. Uh-huh. You know, except that the bike, the bike people, the bike lobby, as I call them, mm-hmm. um, we're fun employed, you know, right. like fun we're employed. funder employed. Yeah. Like we do odd shit, like work at coffee shops and weird jobs. Mm-hmm. Lots of people from all different backgrounds. Right, right, you know? right. Even myself, I'm a freelance graphic artist. I have time to go down there. Okay. You know? <laughs> you know, I do. And uh, I'm there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's cool. Now they've dealt with us for years and years and years making public comments. Mm-hmm. And they actually, we have a seat at the table, I always say. We actually have a seat at the table. The bike lobby has a seat at the table. It might be a fold-up chair that they pulled out of the closet mm-hmm. and gave to us, but we have a seat at the political table in Los Angeles. Right, right, right. That's crazy. Now, do you think, obviously since 2008 and now, they've made a lot of changes in the city. You know, the police are a lot more, a lot more aware of cyclists. The police are putting in bike lanes. They're not the police. The city's putting in bike lanes. Do you feel like... This has a lot to do with what you were a part of in the beginning. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We were the pitchforks. Mm-hmm. You know, there was an mm-hmm. LACBC um, since the late 90s, you know. But LACBC is the Bike, co- bike LA Coalition? LA Bike Coalition. Yeah. yeah, okay. They were founded in the late 90s, and okay. they existed. And they were, they were there. They had a representative there. Her name was Arisha and Monica Howe, who was a Midnight Rider, actually, both okay. of them. And um, Colin Bogart was there. And so there was always this um, kind of political advisor situation happening where they would, like, um, give us pieces of paper with certain comments to make, you Mm -hmm. know, and ideas. Mm -hmm. Um, But really, you can't get anything done in this city unless people show up with pitchforks. Okay. Because um, they always just, like bat things around in city hall and don't do anything until there's a fire lit under their asses. Right. And that's what we did. And they saw thousand people in the street riding group rides every night. Right. And they took a, they took a little bit of a liking to us actually like guys like Bill Rosendahl, the council member. Okay. Um, Bill Rosendahl was like a kind of a old, like 
like an elderly, I don't want to say elderly, he was a really young spirit. He was an old white guy. He was an old white guy. And that's what a lot of these people are, is old white guys. Okay. And he was one, but he was gay. He was on the West Side. He okay. was very progressive minded. And I think he, I, I remember, I actually like became like known to him. And I've, I've mm-hmm. actually like, you know, been someone that that he knows. Is this guy still around? No, he died recently. Oh, sadly, I'm, I'm yeah, sorry to hear that. He had uh-huh. cancer, but he at one point uh, made it kind of. I forget. I think he even said it. He was just like, you know what? I usually see suits and lobbyists and homeowners, you know, who are basically wealthy folks, right. union people, and um, you know, renters or something. Right. But here's this mangy, like group of bike riders with all their weird crap that they wear like yeah. helmets and vests you guys weren't showing up in lycra were you some people did okay. you know there was that shit too okay. you know clicky <laughs> clacky shoes too. yeah there was everything you <laughs> okay. know on my first ride i didn't know what to wear so i just showed up in a tuxedo jersey lycra perfect, <laughs> perfect. i was like this has been per- the perfect Absolutely happy medium perfect. would you say that cycling made you incredibly passionate about politics um i've kind of always uh my parents were very passionate um and they were always pissed off because um they're conservatives you know Mm -hmm. they're registered republicans but they're really like more like libertarians and uh they were just always bitching about you know some president sometime so it was in my life what do you remember them really <laughs> bitching about the most that made you really think you know like i always remember things that my dad used to argue about and i think <laughs> and i go man he was crazy that's not what it was you know like is there anything you remember my that- parents uh hate um war actually okay which is really kind of a strange my my dad was a depression era man he, okay. was, he was in his 50s when he had me Oh, okay. So he was wow. a cheap bastard. Okay. Like he would split two ply toilet paper. No, I'm just kidding. No, I, if you <laughs> kept rolling, I believe you. We always I joked that. about him. Like, he, was, he was a great guy. He was a funny guy, but we always drove, like the cars that, uh-huh. that our family had were like, you know, 60s, not even cool cars, like yeah. Dodge Dart and, uh, you know, a Jeep Wagoneer. Right, right, like, right. Or a Plymouth Fury or something. And That's it was crazy. Like, I don't know what any old, of those cars are. Just old, like, <laughs> not cool. But my dad would work on them himself. Uh-huh. He was loath ever to go to a, to a mechanic. Right. He was, like, his own self-made. Like, he would fix shit around the house. He had a full, uh, you know, tool... Uh, uh, what do you call it? Workshop. Toolkit, workshop. Yeah, workshed. Uh-huh. Lathe, bandsaw, drill press. Oh, wow. All this shit. Yeah. And it's all still there, you know? Oh, it's all nice. sitting there in the garage. My dad passed away. Oh. And I use the tools still. I'm so nice. thankful that um, I was of the generation mm-hmm. that was able to connect yeah. with someone from the Depression. Right, you know? right, right. Anyways, they were against war. They, they thought it was a big waste of money, the military. I totally agree with them. It is. They were isolationists. Dude, war is a racket. You know? mm-hmm. I would think that Ron Paul is like their exact Come political on. candidate. Oh, Maybe really? that's why I like you, Don. It's like <laughs> where we send the poor of this country to go kill the poor of another country on behalf of the rich. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Martin Luther said that. Right military industrial complex. Right? Yeah. It's a racket. I, I call it the war, uh, the war of terror. 
Yeah. And serve the war on terror. Yeah. It's never going to end. I mean, what's more terrifying than a drone that's... That you can't see. It's yeah. blowing something up 20 feet from you yeah. that you had no idea was going to get blown it incinerates everyone you know. Um, we're creating more terrorists than we are fighting them off because everyone that survives that is going to live the rest of their life to get revenge on whoever was responsible. And have you heard about the problems that's, I mean, we're we're getting a little too deep here, but the problems that No such thing is too deep, my friend. (laughs) Have a pair. Talk about it. The drone pilots (laughs) pilots feel extremely bad. They're getting this way now because they're like, we're not even in war. Like, we are not there. We are inside of a garage downstairs, you know. In Nevada, in in the desert. In Colorado or Nevada. We're not even there. We're killing these people that are halfway around the world. Like, how could we settle with this? This isn't Call of Duty. Uh, I don't even you understand how you saying? can watch. I've seen some of the videos, and there, mm-hmm. it's just like human beings walking around, and they get blown up, and they're like crawling. Their fucking arms are blown right. off, and they're like. Then you got to like confirm the kill, like basically, yeah, you know, uh, totally kill off this human being because right. they're suffering, right? Or not? I don't know. We haven't seen the worst of the videos. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. I think they can see pretty. Don's uh, on pretty that clear in depth. Com tip. <laughs> I think they can see pretty clear in depth what they're doing. And I mean, it's all by design with the video game culture. They're raising people up to be desensitized to it. Mm. And then they become drone warriors. You know, mm-hmm. my entire adolescence was catered around being a Navy SEAL. Um, I was racing Ironman triathlons in my teens. And I just didn't have a piece about what I was being trained to do. And so when it came time after college to go in, I didn't. And yeah, that's really hard um, having the skill set and being. Um, you know, a certified bad mamma jamma, having the ability to do these things and then having a conscience to where it's like, I'm not going to do these things because of the repercussions of the wars aren't justified anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, America fights uh, wars for resources and to set up central banks for uh, these central banker uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. We're going down the rabbit hole. We're going down the rabbit hole. That's why I had a big policy. the central <laughs> banks. So connecting all of this conversation yeah, back yeah. to cyclists, if there's anything you can, any type of insight you can <laughs> offer a young 18-year-old newly registered cyclist that's like, the system doesn't represent me. The system doesn't care about me. I am not the color of any of my council members. What do you tell them? What do you the, suggest? The, the system strangely does care about you if you reach out. Okay. So it is the squeaky wheel. It is the pitchforks. Um, it's organizing. Luckily... You know, we didn't have to organize protests. We organized fun rides. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but it serves the same purpose. It's getting all these people together, and then every once in a while, you get them to go to city hall, and um, you know that still happens. So, right. Um, and the voice still matters. So, somebody who's eighteen, come to one of these stupid little meetings that they hold, you know, at an inconvenient time, um, at an inconvenient place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just put in your two minutes, and then right. you can leave or not. It's kind of interesting. Once you get there, you start like scoping the place out, and I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but other people can be bored to tears. But it, I'll sit there and listen to everything. I'm like, oh, they're building a water project up in Griffith Park, and they're spending forty million on it. Yeah, <laughs> and they exactly. really could just go with the same system and upgrade it for. You know, ten million. Right, right, right. Huh, that's interesting. Yeah, 
I remember the first time when I first started journalism school, um, they wanted us to go and take notes at council meetings in elementary oh, schools. I you see know? you guys there. Yeah, you see us there. And so I always it, try to make it fun for the students when I see them. Yeah, it, it used San to Fernando. kill me. It used oh, to kill me. So I hated boring. it. Yeah, I hated it. It just was awful. I totally mm-hmm. get it. Mm-hmm. It just was awful. And so it's like, it's interesting how they kind of have to give you the runaround. They give you the runaround. They, I think part of the runaround is kind of testing you in a way where how serious are you about this oh, your yep. your your project yeah, how yeah. serious are you you know what i mean like yeah. we can't give everybody you know the a attention permit. that they need right yeah, away and a permit because then we'd have you know peewee's playhouse asking for a permit to do some crazy <laughs> shit and we don't want to no, do you're that right and that's, yeah. that goes into the permitting process for this is even you know it kind of uh folds back on Wolfpack Hustle okay where all my experience being downtown and meeting people in the council offices that um you know when I went to go get my permit um it was in another building and uh it was this city process and I I wasn't that scared of it but it was just complicated and there is no website with a button where you can go exactly check out you know right right you have to go through this process and they do that to you like Mm -hmm. you're saying they they put you through the ringer to make sure that you're not just some joker who's going to shut down the street and light a fire in the middle right 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 (laughs) so um that ultimately paid off for me because my first race that i went legit with in 2012 the tunnel race um I decided I was going to go through this whole process and I and and it was heartache at every turn mm-hmm. and then a week out they denied my permit. Jeez. And, really. And and I had already promoted the shit out of it, you know. Wow. And um I don't know that a lot of people were coming from out of state or anything back mm-hmm. then, but there were people coming from Orange County. You know, there's people yeah, coming from all, all over the place. And I had already put money down on bleachers. Right, and, right, right. And anyways, so then I was like, oh, my God, what do I do? I was trying to talk to the person at the city, and she's, she's like, you have to get the council office to um, sponsor it, to put in a letter. And I already knew the council people because of my time doing my two minutes right. you know, at City Hall all right. the time. Right. So it was actually kind of easy, and Jose Wezar who uh, is very pro-bike. Okay. Uh, the councilman from downtown uh, wrote, had a letter written up for us. And mm-hmm. uh, even though, you know, it, it was like Wolfpack Hustle. Like, we were these outlaw, yeah. you know, gangster rap video. I habit. can imagine <laughs> suits reading Wolfpack Hustle. They, they, they knew about us. The yeah. police knew about us, you know. They knew Roadblock. Yeah. Where did that nickname come from? Yeah. Someone on Midnight Riders gave it to me because I used to... I was like one of the ones that first like sweeper stop, maybe or... stop at the intersection and block the cars. Okay. Really? Yeah. I thought that was a graffiti name. That's no, no, not no, no, what no. is your graffiti name? Uh, we don't know. You know, we don't know. You don't <laughs> want to talk about that? That's fine. <laughs> I mean, we could talk about it, uh-huh. but I don't, you know, it's so in the past. That, yeah, I understand. But it definitely uh, is a huge part of my life. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. That's how I that's another way a couple of people spoke to me about you through the streets and like I told you about my professor that mentioned you. My professor that mentioned you, he was just like, I know that guy. 
we used to run the streets together. And I was like, oh, like <laughs> riding, run the yeah, like riding bikes. Run down the and street. he was like, oh, he was I like, don't know about run the streets. Either. He was like, no, we weren't riding bikes. <laughs> we them, <laughs> we them boys. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I was like, oh, that's interesting. But no, it's uh, I totally understand what you're saying. When Cycle Feed was at uh, Interbike last year, the name Don Word kept uh, buzzing throughout. What do you mm-hmm. feel, and what do you, um, what did you feel, and what do you currently feel about being among the first race organizers in Southern California? W- one of the first race organizers yeah. in Southern California. Yeah, I'm not one of the first. Really urban, of the bike within yeah. the bike scene. Yeah, we realm went, of party bike. We went to Interbike and we were just trying to get the name out there, let people know what we do. And a lot of people were like, "Yeah, oh, you're from LA. We've heard about that. We've heard about the scene out there. Wolfpack Hustle with Don Ward, right? <laughs> huh, and a cool. couple of me, a couple, couple people, multiple yeah, people multiple were people. like, "Yo, that's what we've heard of. When we mentioned urban cycling." Huh. That's what yeah. came up, you know, yeah. verbally. And so we thought that was really interesting, you know, because we were like, wow, that's great. He's obviously a strong pillar here. And there are there are a lot of people that kind of like poo-pooed us, too, at the same time. Because they're like, you guys are crazy in the streets. Yeah. We don't support that. And that was just last yeah. year, you know. But we'll see how the scene changes in the streets. And so, that yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> but, <laughs> we're but, actually really nice people. Yeah, but, <laughs> you know, it's politics i guess but um no it was very interesting to hear your name come up a huh. lot you mm. know so like what do you what did you what do you think about that as i mean, recognize you that way i'm going to interbike actually i've been every year uh looking for financial backing for right. our races okay and it's very difficult like nobody has money for this they're they're very interested in i guess you know other things mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. uh um, the few, you know, we, our sponsors that we have have a love for this. And right. We're very appreciative of them. Um, like Heavy Pedal and, uh, you know, Conquer Elite, mm-hmm. um, Thomas Forsyth, Bicycle Attorney. Nice. Um, Red Bull. Red Bull's been with us for the longest and Thomas Forsyth uh, also. Cool. Cool. Um, but, uh, you know, they're, the, the people that get involved with our races have a love for it because, you're not necessarily going to get, I mean, it's like the kind of money that Red Hook appears to be drawing in mm-hmm. is um, it like those races cost so much to produce yeah. that you need to draw in a lot of money. And, and uh, Wolfpack is like a, you know, a s- much smaller organization and, uh, so I, I I don't know what it is, but you go to Interbike and they're sort of on this like, you know, Amgen tour, Tour de France, like right. roadie um, thing, and you're mm-hmm. coming to them asking them about track bike crits, and they're just thinking, isn't that where they like crash a lot and run red lights or something? Right, like, right, right. Like, and you're trying to explain to them that it's that it's so much more. It's a whole new market, right? Of of kids yep. that are involved. That are also themselves getting into USA Cycling. Exactly, yeah, the gateway drug so to future. USAC. Yeah, you're going to continue with these customers through your USA Cycling races and your bigger races. Right. So you should be getting involved at this level because right. um, it's exciting and it's drawing in a lot of different people that would not normally be into your shit. So. I- 
I've always thought about that. I've always thought about like my first fixed gear bike was just two hundred bucks, you know. Uh-huh. And it was just super heavy Chinese frame, wherever it came from. <laughs> but like, it was one of those things where you want to know how to get faster. If you really like it, you want to know mm. what you need mm-hmm. to do to take it to that next level, yeah. you know. Whether it's getting a faster fixed gear bike or getting even a road bike, which is what I'm working with right now, yeah. you know, it's just like. I don't know how these companies and even me years ago I thought about it like I'm that kid that's like looking for that next level and how people try to down the again like I said they were trying to poo poo the idea at Interbike a little bit what the urban cycling scene was and I never and I I didn't get it you know you just don't have the money I mean Mm -hmm. you look at those displays at Interbike I mean uh, Shimano or Bianchi Cannondale uh, you know, I'm trying to remember all the brands that were there. Specialized, I guess. These huge brands, huge. multi-million dollar brands, and their their displays are worth more than my entire life. You right, know? like more than my entire series. Like <laughs> it was worth less than their display at Interbike. Right, right. <laughs> and they're just like looking at us as small potatoes. I guess I don't know. That's so. That's so crazy. I've always thought. I personally think that with things like what you're a creator, what you've created with the Wolfpack crits and the drag race and what david trimble has created with red hook like they're gonna realize you know they just need people to do most of the work so they can jump on and pretend like they've always kind of been involved in a way you understand what i'm saying yeah and there's there's merit to that like Mm -hmm. you know what do you know to invest in as a person that's in charge of a marketing budget like okay who is this like uh right some outlaws from los angeles Mm -hmm. uh yeah, um, I'm going to go with, you know, I don't know what they're going with. Who knows? But uh, couldn't you also spin it, like, as an economic um, boost? I mean, you're drawing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people to a centralized area, which promotes local business. It promotes local commerce. I mean, when, that when we the were there. That is the formula that we've been operating under. Yeah. So Long Beach sees it differently long beach which Hmm. is you know the downtown business association are they're the ones that sponsored basically the entire race wow like um they uh the 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 event is actually bike fest long beach Uh, oh that's been going for five years so you know it's it's this event that um we're the main event, you know, we're, we're the, the draw for a lot of the people there. And, um, they, they like that. They Mm -hmm. appreciate that. So, you know, there's a beer garden, you know, that's a huge like production with even just that little production (laughs) is actually pretty big, but, uh, I'm so thankful to be a part of that. That's great. And, uh, yeah. I noticed some of the parking was taken care of. So is that the city of Long Beach kind of um, they, not paid for ahead of time? They work deals. Um, the production is done by uh, Gina Dart, and she um, is, I call her powerhouse. She um, just makes things happen. And, uh, yeah. You and need they, those sort of people to show up at the pitchforks, you know, with fire on the end. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd like for those folks to come out. You know, I'm talking to some folks in Riverside. I talked to actually the city, the mayor's office, and um, I, w- I have to be honest. I was a little bit discouraged earlier this year after Interbike. Like I talked, I talked to a lot of sponsors there, potential sponsors, and um, 
you know, it just didn't pan out. And I, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I personally am not the best salesman. Okay. Like, you know, I see... I'm, I'm not... Like, even though I've been in marketing my whole life, yeah. like, I still am this, like, sort of rogue character, even in design shops, huh. where it's like I'm meeting with the client, and they, they like me because I have this sort of street quality that, mm-hmm. you know, like, with graffiti art or something like that, that, that I think they sort of, like, they like it. Yeah. But I'm not educated in the jargon. I'm not educated in what, you know, what are all these... Uh, words really mean like mm-hmm. I'm kind of I didn't take advantage and I didn't learn all that stuff because I kind of reject all that stuff that's why I'm a Bernie Sanders person <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh we need to suit up and go to Intervike and uh, put the vibe out and get some uh, yeah. greater funding here do you yeah, think, think it could be need, different I this year help. at Interbike? do you think it could be different this year at Interbike? like I think or- that every year but I think my timing's wrong I think I need okay. to start talking to people now okay because yeah. by the time you right. get to Interbike, they've already spent on this huge display right they're trying to sell the shops right and you're coming around begging for money for a bike race for some outlaw shit right they're like eh, <laughs> it's gonna take a while shit. to break through that yeah you know? going back to that comparison of Red Hook because I know you mentioned David Trimble and we um, actually interviewed David Trimble on our podcast and if you want to check that out go check that out Um, and he was talking about hosting races on private property as opposed to public property and how much more cost effective that can be Mm -hmm. do you think that um, kind of uh, planning and that um, type of business planning works in a city like Los Angeles or is it just I think it could work in Los Angeles the I've looked at spaces like the zoo, the zoo parking lot. The forum parking lot's huge too. I've always forum parking yeah. lot's Dodge, a great Dodger idea. Dodger Stadium. Is yep. Oh, I shouldn't have said that too loud. Dodger Stadium. <laughs> yeah. No, I've thought about all these places. Oh, but, okay. But um, uh, I like the city because the subway goes there. Yeah. There's bars um, nearby. There's there's random pedestrians that'll run into you. And City Hall Park is just the most beautiful athlete zone I think ever in the world. Yeah. And uh, uh, so and it, it just actually was easier for me I thought than than uh, than a private lot because we don't have anything. Dodger Stadium's cool, but you still got to climb a hill to get there, and yeah. it's like this vast crater. Mm-hmm. It's not you know. Where are you going to go hang out in between the qualifiers and the main race? I right. Don't know. So I like Civic Center. I love that place, and it would probably cost about the same, you know, for the permit. The permit for Civic Center is like twenty grand. Wow. And I I have a feeling Dodger Stadium would be on par with charging that much. Really. You know, Grand Park itself, for if you're not a nonprofit, it's twenty grand. You know. Wow. So shit's expensive out here, and David pays a pretty penny for 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 Brooklyn. Terminal, cruise, cruise terminal. terminal. I don't know if he told you how much it was. I won't say, but it's a lot. I think he, he said a we, trillion we dollars. The, or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we so. did the math um, during the interview, and he said he would have to charge fifteen hundred dollars a head racer, yeah. just to break even. So we broke it down, and it's about half a million dollars. <laughs> half a million. Yeah. Well. Yeah, Don wasn't sure if that was uh, per that one event or for the whole series. Huh, that's okay. that's quite a bit. I don't I don't think a red hook is five hundred thousand, but I could be wrong. I mean, right. David puts so much work into those things. Yeah, I mean, and he's got a full team. He's got Wolfpack full team. is pretty much just you, right? Wolfpack is right here. This <laughs> ten by twenty eight 
foot office. And go back to that in a secret location. Go in back a secret, in go a secret back, great location, though. It's a great location. Um, the idea of you wanting help. You say you need more help. What do you mean? Like, you are Mr. Wolfpack. And no, you know what? We have a lot of help. Okay. The volunteers are beautiful, wonderful people. Okay. Um, there are people that do get paid, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, there's contractors that, that I've now settled on. I feel this was the first race on Saturday that I wasn't, like, wanting to kill myself. You oh, know? Like, okay. I was actually having fun. Oh, and really? I wasn't stressed the fuck out because the timing company has done this many times now, you know, and I trust them. Okay. The Tough Blocks guy, even though he crashed on the freeway, this was the big stress was the, the guy that was bringing in the Tough Blocks what are tough crash. blocks? The barriers, foam, the barriers. Oh, those? Okay, the foam, okay. The foam cubes uh-huh. around the course that riders on the corners. crash into. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, Ronnie Don't did. put oh, you in a concussion. I know, yeah, Ronnie. Damn it, Ronnie. Racing's Ronnie. dangerous, man. It's nothing to do with Don. Just racing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I want to make sure all the apexes are covered with those things. And I've mm-hmm. seen riders crash into them and mm-hmm. be stoked because they didn't fucking break their arms. Right. Um <laughs> What was I just talking, talking about? It was the first race that, at the yeah. production. He crashed on the way there, I think you're saying. Yeah, that, was a, bad a, that was a really stressful thing because it was like, okay, we got to call, call hay bale equestrian centers where they have hay bales. Right. And then they always cost a lot. And then right. it's like bringing them in uh, like within hours. We had right. hours to bring them in. And the guy, um, so Tough Blocks guy, um, his name is Jeff. He came through. You know, I kept talking to him. He kept answering his phone. When they don't answer the phones, that's when it's a problem. But he would answer his phone. He's like, he had to get his trailer put onto a big rig. Jeez. Then it was hard oh. to Colton or something in Riverside or wherever the hell he was. Then he had to get a U-Haul truck and with his son pile the tough blocks into the U-Haul truck. Savages. I was like, there is no way he's going to get here in time for the race. And he did. He, he got there by 3, 3.15. We wow. had a team of volunteers at the ready. It was like all hands on deck. We put, set up everything. Nice. And uh, it worked. And, and like I said, the, the, the team, the production team, all the volunteers, the motos, the timing company, mm-hmm. um, the producers, uh, just I've, I feel great with all of them. I, I want all of them involved forever, you mm-hmm. know, like. So if we can always get that team together, right? Then I think we can produce spectacular races. Has it taken you a while to build this team? Now yes. this is the first race that you were like, you felt it was fun, yes. it was comfortable. I have seen yes. you at these events, and I've yeah. seen you, you look like you're stressing the fuck out. And yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Like, because to get to a timing company was was a challenge because mm-hmm. this is a whole new format. No timing company is used to this. This is the Red Hook format of doing qualifiers and then doing a lap you know, counted race. Right. USA cycling races are, um, you know, cat ranks. So you don't have to do qualifiers. And then you've got your 40 minutes and then you do a last five laps. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's totally different. Timing companies don't need to time anything. Right. They just need to have a video camera and keep track of who got over the finish line. Right. Um, so finding timing companies with chip timers that are normally for runners um, oh. The chip timers that are fast enough to get a read on okay. these bikes was something. And that's interesting. I went through several timing companies that just completely dropped the ball. And your like whole, the technology wasn't there, or they what don't, do you mean? They just don't get it. You know, no matter mm-hmm. how many times you go over it, 
race day, they're still tripping somehow. You know? Okay. And I've, I've done, I mean, I'll show you my files. Okay. Like, I'm insane when it comes to building uh, Illustrator files and all this shit, like maps and instructions. Uh-huh. They, it just, it took a while to get to uh, Dan, Dan Witten from One Time Racing. Okay. And it was another one of those situations where, you know, like the Tough Blocks guy, mm-hmm. um, I had a timing company going. Uh, two days before our event, he quit. What? Yeah. Because he was just like, yeah, we got this. We got this. Like, you know, he had these big LED screens, which is going to be rad. Okay. You know, the full turnkey solution. They do high school runs all the time. I was like, all right, cool. And I was like, so do you guys want to go over like some of the more technical, like, Let's really like talk okay. about this. We haven't done this yet, right? And they're and we started really talking about it, and they were like, you know, like timing a drag race, like you have to have a thousand foot communication between the start and the finish. That's you know split second accurate, you right? Know? And uh, they they were gonna do uh, gun timing. And I was like, gun timing? We're in Huntington Park, by the way. You know, like, yeah. Huntington Park what is, is so gangster. Timing? Like, where a gun is going off to start the race. Oh, no. And I was like, we can't, I don't, you know, that's not necessarily a good idea. Huntington Park's kind of gangster. Yeah. And they're like, oh, oh you know. Oh. <laughs> Wait, what? It was like, right, let's entertain Wait, uh... this idea. And anyways, technically, they weren't able to do it. So he's like, okay, we got to bow out. Uh-huh. I was like, what? Two days. Yeah, but one time racing, who I met at Interbike. Okay. This dude's a sheriff, Dan Witten, the guy that's one time racing. An actual it? sheriff. He's an actual sheriff. What county? And, you want to shout out to the county? I don't, uh, you don't have to. <laughs> I think he's with Riverside. I forgot. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Which is, which is insane. <laughs> like, shout out to Riverside Consequential. Seen him on Cops a he's, couple times. He's such a nice guy. He's like, uh, the, he's like the officer helper of sheriffs. Okay. And um, I tell you, for some reason... Uh, those guys are do or die. Like, those guys are all in. You, you haven't know? seen Cops, have you? Have you seen Riverside Cops? <laughs> no. I'm serious. They are I mean, do I've seen or the die. Show. Yeah. Well, I remember always watching the show, like, w- wondering if one of my homies was going to be on there. Like, really? when they come to L.A., <laughs> they'd be like, oh, I wanted cool. to ask, are the head stickers are probably more affordable than the timing chips? The hmm. head stickers are more affordable. Yeah. You don't have to worry about anybody returning their chips yeah. if they could deposit, which I hate to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they, you know, they get thrown away. They're accurate, but no chips are actually accurate. Huh. So you have a backup with a finish links camera, which we had from the Carson Velodrome. Okay. Thanks to Adam Duvendeck and uh, the new guy down there, uh, Travis Smith, um, was so kind as to uh, loan it out and, and have a guy come out. They both came out and they did uh, mm-hmm. finish links, mm-hmm. which gets mm-hmm. you know absolutely perfect. Wow. Finishes, which is great. And that supplements the chip timing. And that's what David does too. Okay. He's got multiple backups. David does way more with timing than right. we do. I mean, we do actually have, like, one time racing is very thorough. So, okay. And they now know the format, and we had no hiccups. I don't remember if anybody even complained about their times. How how are the times running? I mean, mine seem a little fast, but nobody. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> actually, come to think of it, Usually there's like five, at least five people that come to me complaining about their times. I didn't hear from anybody to this wow. last Saturday. 
Check so. their legs. Like, sir, could you flex your legs for me? <laughs> nope, yeah. that's right. Back of the bus. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> so I know it's you know worst case scenario for you as a race trick when you have crashes. So how do you decide what you're going to do? There was, let's see, two, three crashes? No, two crashes in the final. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just major crashes. There were a lot of crashes. Yeah, I guess mm-hmm. major mm-hmm. ones. Um, well, not a lot, but there was. You decided to go with five laps restart each time? I was unconscious for the second yeah, one, so I don't know what man. happened with the first one. Um, I'd actually talked to David Trimble about this before, because um, I think he ran into this situation in Barcelona. And uh, mm. they restarted... And I think they only did two laps to go or something yeah, something really short. Yeah. And I heard from racers that were really pissed off. And um, I think even Sean Burke from Aventon was uh, talking to me about it. And uh, what he thought should have happened was a five-lap restart. Okay. And he also thought that his a couple of his racers were out, like a five-second gap. And then you had, um, I think it was... Uh, Ivan uh, Ravioli mm-hmm. and yeah, Mario, Mario Paz Duquet, who mm-hmm. had a, a significant gap. Mm-hmm. So he started them early, and then he started the field. Mm-hmm. You know? And there were people kind of in between that didn't get a, an advantage. Didn't get an advantage, yeah. Because wow. it wasn't a substantial enough gap to be considered as per, like, the official rules. Okay. Mm. That's I see. I remember that now. Yeah. I'm sure tricky. USA Cycling has already figured out all of this stuff in their 30 years or yeah. 40 years that they've existed. And I haven't read through their manual. I opened it up once, and it was, like, huge. And I was like, oh. Nah. (laughs) (laughs) But I do, every once in a while, I try to hunt down information about how they handle, uh, like, course marshals, Mm -hmm. um, restarts, things like that. How do they handle that, Ronnie? Do you know? Um, As far as, like, restarts? Yeah, when a major wreck happens. In in a a stage race, if you crash, I believe, in the last... um, Three kilometers, you get the same finishing time. That's like the UCI rule. Um, so yeah, it it depends. I had a a question. How do we make this? I mean, it, does it have the appeal? Does Red Hook and Wolfpack have the appeal because it's brakeless track bikes? I think that's that's part of it. Um, what if you had, you know, what if it was single speed? So you still have the the manliness of one gear. Um, but brakes. You know, hmm. Would that change the dynamic? It's yeah, the brake. It would change definitely it. change. I, yeah. Exactly. It'd be completely unsafe to have yeah. uh, fixed gear. You're saying mm-hmm. fixed gear and single speed? You say could you, no, no, no. Say you did um, either a single speed and oh. people had brakes. Uh-huh. Or like just a new format of racing, you know. I, I've thought I've started hosting races. You already bored I'm, with the track bike crit, <laughs> Ronnie? I'm just trying to keep all the titanium in my face attached yeah. to the remaining bones. <laughs> but I was thinking, like, what if we had a a, a road not a road bike, a a track bike uh, stage race, but you had brakes so that it would limit you less on what courses you could use. You know, you could have it be point to point. That would be the marathon crash race, and that thing was always insane because people will put on their brakes. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're talking not fixed gear. I mean, would it make? Does it make a difference if it's, it's fixed gotta gear be or fixed single gear. speed? If everybody's fixed gear and you have a would you say two brakes? Because then if you just do one, everybody's putting on a front brake and then everybody's yeah. endoing when they need to yeah. stop. You can't do brakes on fixed gear. You just can't. What do you mean? Just, just uh, no, no The purists out yeah. there, the, 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 the way that the racers interact, the whole beauty of, well, here I am telling a racer, like yeah. I don't really have the authority to say this, but I've no. been told that the beauty of fixed mm-hmm. gear racing is the fact that you know the person in front of you isn't going to jam on their brakes. Exactly. Right. So I think... 
in this last race, what I really kind of noticed from the athletes talking about it was we had a number of, you know, people that... Um, Newer to the... New that were coming from the road racing world. And those lines are different. Those lines are way different as okay. far as I understand. Yeah. A little bit. It's are tricky. they or no? Um, I mean, I, I do both and... You're pedaling through a corner, so it's a little bit different in that way. But I think you can definitely fit two riders going through at the corner, but they'll T-bone if they're taking different lines. You know, so that's not ideal. Now, why wouldn't they T-bone in a road race? Because you can put in on the brakes. In a road, yeah, because you can put on the brakes yeah. quicker. Okay. Now, you so can I, slow down on a on a fixed gear bike. You just can't stop on a dime. Yeah. Brakes give the illusion of safety. You know, because there's still just as many crashes in. You know, NCC, or now it's called PRT, Professional Road, you know, Circuit, whatever it is. Um, there's just as many crashes when people have brakes because somebody panics and grabs a fistful of brake. So I'm just trying to think of ways um, to creatively make it make it more safe. I think uh, what makes it more safe is to have uh, some complicated turns, to have something that slows people down. Interesting. Where yeah. they can't. You know, that's the unfortunate thing about the short line crit is it's it's just a four corner crit that's insanely fast. Right. And uh the you know, what the crashes are just harsh because mm-hmm. you're going so fast. Mm-hmm. But if you can introduce some kinks and turns that are a pain in the ass but the Celso Kink from New York. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Cel- if we could get the Celso Kink and like bring it over to Long yeah, Beach, everybody needs some Celso <laughs> Kink in their life. <laughs> that's, that's a good point you make. Um, hmm, what were there any really bad injuries or mostly just road rash for people? Well, um, broken bones or Noemi broke her lower back. Yeah, she she didn't break it. She fractured it. Okay. Yeah. Fractured. She just, we stopped by fracture, when we yeah. were in the hospital. Did you go to the, the hospital? Yeah. We were, oh, yeah, we, we were, were all there. Ronnie. And so we were just a couple. She was just a couple rooms down. Uh, she, st- she spent the night. You yeah. know, I believe she is still there. Surgery, yeah. yeah, I think she's there till right, Wednesday. Right. Till tomorrow. She, I gotta go visit her. Where is that? She was in great spirits. I believe it was at St. Saint Saint Mary's. St. Mary's. Mary's Long Beach. I don't know if she's I still think there this or is not. Like a mile from the course. I, in the ambulance, it. when I woke up, I said first, I was like, "Oh, all my bones inside my body." Because that's <laughs> a good start. Oh, and I said, I, "I was born here. Do you think we can maybe schedule that I can die here?" <laughs> but I was born in Long Beach. That's Terrible funny. joke. Ryan. That is horrible. <laughs> no, she was in great spirits. Like she's a really nice girl. I've ridden with her a couple of times through the streets in the valley and she's super cool it was just you just feel bad when you see like yeah. friends of yours like really hurt like that you know I talked to her on Facebook and she was in good spirits and everything we were just trying to figure out what the hell happened because it was in qualifiers mm-hmm. and uh, you know there's different stories I've heard from some of the other racers I don't really want to say right. anything right now but right. we're trying to figure out what it was and and um, you know I always try to adjust my messaging you know, when events go down like that, like uh-huh. I was telling the field, I'm like, you will not, you know, yep. everybody's everybody qualified. here is qualified. Right, so, right, right. You know, it was just trying to right instill safe. this 
Like, hey, go for it, but don't fucking, you know. <laughs> go for each other. Well, let me ask you about this. Like, David Trimble or um, people on his team, there was a couple of, there was some, I, I guess for lack of a better term, roughhousing during his race. And there was a. During the women's race. During the women's race. And there was a pretty bad, there's a pretty bad wreck, you know. And so it seems as though that people are getting points taken away from them. Yeah. People could be probably potentially banned. So there, he's actually taking steps to make sure people, you know, things like this don't happen. So what that's, do you th- That's a great idea, and I support David in that. Um, you know, I saw the post on Instagram where everybody was like, it looked like 50-50 people were either bitching yeah. or supporting David. Right. Um, <laughs> but that's needed because there i it happens in my races too i'm seeing like aggressive overly aggressive deadly behavior mm-hmm. and i want all the racers to feel safe mm-hmm. and feel accountable too so um it's a lot of pride online you know i think Whenever you put a bunch of, of men or even women nowadays racing with with pride on the line, essentially we're racing for like Facebook likes. Like nobody's making a living doing this, yeah. so it can be quite quite dangerous. People do stupid stuff when they uh, when they think of like fixie fame being on the line. You know? It's <laughs> just fixie fame, <laughs> though. Fame. Yeah, people Which are serious like, about being fixie famous. Where is fixie fame on the totem pole of fame? It's like uh, you'd be like a, just below uh, an E-list celebrity, not even a D-lister. <laughs> like an e- I don't know. I I guess Do you think a road, road bike racing or fixie racing is more dangerous, like at the top level. So comparing a Red Hook versus a, a USA Crits or a Dana Point, Manhattan Beach Grand Prix, would you say they're equally da- dangerous, Don, or what are your thoughts? I hear about nasty crashes in USA Cycling races. I mean, my boy Chris Kono died, rest in peace, at a USA Cycling race. Yeah. Wow. You know, at a four-corner crit. That's CBR. They didn't have any padding on the poles. Was the, which the official story? Did he have he have a heart attack and then he hit something, or did he hit something and then die? So there was like some. Debate. I haven't heard about the heart attack part. Yeah, I was. I just heard that Chris he ran Lots into a pole and, and cracked his uh, his skull, oh like no. neck or something. I, I had not heard about the heart attack. That's interesting. Yeah, his son was there. It was so sad. I took a picture of him and his son before he went out on his race. They were really, really super happy, and we were we were just. Chilling, and the race was going by, and the race was going by. You were there. Yeah. Wow. And then, uh, you know, his son, like, I went up to his son. I was like, hey, where's your dad? And he's like, I don't know. I haven't seen him in a couple, you know, laps. And I was like, oh, really? Huh? And it just, like, the race just was going. Still. Wow. And, um, you know, because I think he maybe was off to the side where the the poles were. Okay. It was on the back stretch, so nobody... It was the last race of the day, and people were kind of packing up, and I was doing the same thing, and I saw the ambulance go by with the fire engine. It was going by really slow, and then thinking back, it was like, oh, shit, like, it was going slow. Right. It wasn't, like... Smacking, like, let's get to the hospital. Yeah. Right. So, um, and I didn't know that he died until, like, later on in the day. Hmm. You know, so crazy. Yeah. It was two in one year. You know, Jackie Price Dunn at yeah. the Velodrome. This all happened she died in as a, well. within a month. And it was the month leading up to my first Criterium race, the Civic Center Crit. Heavy. Wow. And uh, I just was like so, uh, like, bummed, like, emotional, like, oh my God, like, I got to make sure that this course is safe. And you feel like something like this could happen at your race, right? Yeah, Almost. I don't want that to ever mm-hmm. happen. 
you know, makes me want to not throw these races actually. Right. And, uh, I went through so much time. Uh, I spent two months like planning the course and then these, you know, in the middle of all that, these, these deaths happened and, and I was thinking about safety and I was talking to riders about, well, what is it? It's like hay bales. And, you know, my friend Evan stayed Wolfpack rider was like, well, hay bales hurt too, mm-hmm. you know? And I was like, okay. So I started looking into other things. Like <laughs> there's a thing in moto motorcycle racing called an air fence, which I really wanted. I wanted an air fence because they're big, long, inflated things that could wrap around a whole corner. Really? And, and you, you run into those things. You know, if a motorcycle rider can run into them, yeah. then, you know. But we couldn't, I could not get one. They could not. I was contacting people that owned them, and they just were like, for a bike race? Get out of like, here. Get out of here. Yeah, you explain them how fast we're going. Yeah, and, uh, but I if did If you're going to pay them, then what are they tripping about? I know. I think, house, I think it's a big deal to bring one out. I think oh. it's like a major thing that they have to install you gotta so. put a bounce house in each corner <laughs> yeah dude i did put a photo up of like the the the, the godzillas that are up on the top of like car dealerships yeah, right, I, was like, right, right, right. I was like researching safety infrastructure godzilla yeah. <laughs> lay, lay godzilla <laughs> down that's funny that'd be that'd be hilarious to have those monsters around the race <laughs> that'd be cool call the monster crit boom you can have that for free but i did finally find the tough blocks the foam okay. blocks cool. and i've been going with those ever since what what's the vision for the future don what are you thinking man what's uh what what inspires you first off like what keeps you going back after all these years putting mm-hmm. these things on uh what gives you hope you know what i'm living a lucky lifestyle right now because um uh riding bikes makes my life cheap um Mm -hmm. i don't give a shit about cars having a i have a car that's like a 1996 you know ford exploder that ford try not to drive it too much i don't care you Mm -hmm. know it's it's parked in my apartment which is four blocks from my office Uh uh-huh freedom from perception your stuff ends up owning you so yeah and I, i just I'm in this sweet spot right now where my life is really cheap. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I'm able to throw these races and kind of live off the earnings. And, and, uh, and in my, you know, I have a lot of time, you know, I do freelance graphic work sometimes too, but I just have a lot of time to plan these things. And, um, and uh you know be involved in local politics yeah those kind of things inspire me like just communities Mm -hmm. working for uh, basically ordinary people Mm -hmm. you know we're all you know that that really kind of i want to see the little guy win i want to see the 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 underdogs win and speaking of the underdog winning i'd really like to talk (laughs) to you about bernie sanders please you know being somebody that's like i've voted when i really started getting involved in politics or really started paying attention as obviously a a a black american was when barack obama was running you know Mm -hmm. and so like you know living in stock i didn't live in stockton but going to school in delta at in stockton california going to a junior college most of the junior college was black like it seemed like most of these blacks were like Obama's gonna save us he's gonna help us like we got I remember being in an African American history class <laughs> and I'm not making this up African American history class when Obama was elected not elected but he was the uh, nominated the Democratic like you know 
runner like the teacher was like can you admit like he didn't even he didn't say hey guys how are you he walked in and he was like in a big ass forum class 200 students 90 percent of them black barack obama the whole place screams <laughs> you know and i'm just i'm sitting there and i'm going yo this is crazy i wasn't the one screaming i'm really just trying to break this down uh-huh, like uh-huh. is this these people are acting like he's gonna help everybody up in here now Straight let me out. ask you why out have, indonesia why had you not been uh paying attention to politics do you think before then as a young person um, i mean we all know kind of why but i mean before then it, it honestly i genuinely felt like it, it couldn't help me like what is this going to help yeah. me with immediately right. right now i'm trying to figure out how to get some money to get to school yeah. this guy's not going to help me like these plans that they're creating they're always plans that are 20 years out 15 right, years out right. so how like immediately right now in my life as a 19 20 20 21 year old what the hell yeah, you know what i mean yeah. And I still feel like a lot of kids kind of feel that way. I still yeah. feel like it's, that it way totally a little bit. It totally is that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. And so with this election right now, you see people like Donald Trump. Like a lot of people are like, yo, this is crazy. This is a crazy election. You have Donald Trump making a whole bunch of noise. And what's crazy to me is that like what? my whole entire life, if somebody – before he even ran for president, if somebody said, yo, what do you know about Donald Trump? It's something negative. Do you see what I'm saying? If you look at like – it just even before running, you never really knew him as being that guy or or always he just I guess for lack of better term was an asshole. He was always <laughs> trying to fire somebody on television or he was trying to <laughs> like awesome. taking over businesses in New York and like, you know, making Jersey dirty and like just all types of weird things. So it's like, yo, what's going on here? And then you have people like Hillary and then you have people like Bernie Sanders. You know what I mean? So, so like explain. It's interesting things. what you yeah. said. I want to take it back, rewind it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you said Donald Trump is creating a lot of noise. Yeah. I'm going to correct you. Okay. The media is creating a lot of noise about Donald Trump. Okay. So, being a Bernie Sanders person, I've been, and I've been paying attention to Bernie Sanders for quite a while, but really starting to get into him when he announced his presidential candidacy. Mm-hmm. Um, no noise had been made for Bernie Sanders for 10, 12 months. Oh, you know, okay. they, they were only really talking about Donald Trump in the media, mm-hmm. like Donald Trump run, you know, and um, there's something going on. I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, we call it the establishment. Okay. Which is the owners, the people that own everything, right. the, the the stockholders, the crowd that owns everything. Right. You know? There is that crowd. You know who they are. Right. They're everywhere we across the country. We have an idea who they might be. Well, they're yeah. just people that earn a shitload of money. Yeah, Kanye is one of them. You know, like okay. it's, it's it's everybody that's in that bubble of they have a shitload of money and things are different for them. Right. Like, we're and, in the club and you're not. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not even like like they're really like plotting against us. They're just in this club. Just right. Doing what's best for their. I, I felt that a little bit with with being in in web design at the the break of of the internet. You know mm-hmm. when 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 web designers, little mangy web designers like myself, were making six figures. Wow. Know? And and uh, mangy, mangy, like just like going from college to getting a job right away because you're you know like I was just really into the internet as yeah. many young people of my generation were and then suddenly like 
internet companies with their billions of dollars were like, we need designers, and they were paying top dollar to get designers in there. Right, right. So that is a bubble, and I've felt that bubble, mm-hmm. you know, to a degree, not on Kanye's level, obviously. Right. But right. I've felt that bubble. And, um, you know, you start, like, seeing your own friends. You're like, man, you're still tagging. Like, yeah. uh, like you're still, you still can't afford to go out to this bar with me that I just went to with mm-hmm. all my coworkers. Yeah. And, and you just sort of, like... Start to disregard people that you grew up with, yeah. you know, and um, that's what's going on here. The Democrats, the haves that are the Democrats, are splitting off from the have-nots, the folks that are just getting out of school, that don't have jobs right away, that have okay. huge student debt, and you've got the older Democrats who have made their way, and um, that's the split I'm seeing, and. So we'll call them the establishment. And you know what? The Republicans are part of that establishment as well. The Republican elites, mm-hmm. like Donald Trump. I don't believe that Donald Trump is truly... I don't know if I believe that he's truly a racist. He's, he is a bigot, and yeah. he says stupid shit. He grew up in a different time, you know what I mean? I well, think- no, but he's just New Yorker, though. Okay. And business people, business people at that level, yes, there are racists and bigots, mm-hmm. but they're also like business people. Like They're like, well, these are my customers, too. Like right. Black people are my customers. Right. So they still value, in this weird capitalistic way, right. black folks and poor folks and working class folks. Mm-hmm. So... So does the establishment fear him? Why are they smearing him? <laughs> the, estab- the establishment, I'm still trying to decide if it's a ruse or if they really do fear him. I think they do fear him because he's just a blowhard. Mm-hmm. They, like, you know? They've chosen Hillary as, you know. He's a dickhead. Yeah. You know, he's that dickhead in class that was, like, you know, just a jerk. He's an asshole. That just didn't, and like, he doesn't care. He's not in politics. He's, he's that guy that shows up to a room full of political people kind of like I did at that transportation committee meeting and just blurts out something. Right, you know, right. And disrupts the establishment. Right. You know? And he can because he's rich. Right. You know? And his followers are, you know, basically, I'm sorry to say, they're not that educated. Okay. They're working class people. They're poor people. Don, what are you talking about? I love this country, though. <laughs> okay, I'm not. Is that what Donald Trump supporters sound? Hey, like? we got a great com- We got a great country. You want a great country? We got a great country. Yeah. No, but <laughs> but it's the same so folks. <laughs> the same folks that got screwed uh, by Democratic policies too, mm-hmm. like NAFTA, like these trade deals that the Clintons. Uh, brought forward in the 90s, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and things like Glass-Steagall, which... What is that? Uh, it's the remove, It's removing a barrier between investment banks and savings banks so where they can now gamble with your money. Oh. And that was a thing. That was, an, that was something that they put in place after the Depression because that was happening during... Right before the Depression and right. everything collapsed. They removed it. Uh, in the 90s, because um, in the late 90s, everybody was was rolling in the dough. The right. internet bubble was happening, and it was like, well, wh- well we're all going to make money forever. Why, why yeah. do we have this? What is this thing barring us from gambling more? Right. You know, right. And Clinton was like, let's remove it. Yeah. You know, and um, let's remove these trade barriers because we all make a lot of money we're now. We're balling out of control today. This is the future. You yeah. know, we're all going to have internet jobs and buy cheap Chinese crap. You know. Wow. And um, Huh. 
and and so they did that and it gutted our middle class our working class people it, the, 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 thousands and thousands of factories have left because we don't manufacture stuff because it's cheaper to just bring it in from China okay you know because instead of, of laws they passed. because of these these trade deals where they said okay normally you can't just bring in a bunch of I need cheaper goods. bike parts though Don well, you fuck you. At what, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, but it, at what cost? <laughs> that's what some kids are saying. They're like, yo, I got some Chinese carbon though that's tight. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. And it's uh-huh. not like Chinese manufacturing is actually, Chinese manufacturing is amazing. Uh-huh. It's, uh-huh. it's actually better than ours, you know, right. in a lot of ways. And Chinese folks are great, you know, like let's trade with them. But unfortunately, it's making all these middle class people here. And, and working class people lose right. their jobs. Right, right. So you've got now McJobs. McJobs. Like there's new jobs, but it's like working McJobs. at a fast food restaurant for twelve dollars yeah. an hour or seven dollars an hour. Right, right, you know? right. What does Bernie want to do? Does he want to audit the Fed? And what are his thoughts on war? Uh, Bernie's thoughts on war, I'm they're a little bit mur- they're a little murky. You know, a little bit murky because he's not coming right out and saying uh, uh, the. The peace line, which is the Green Party line, which is the Ron Paul line mm-hmm. of forget all these. I mean, he is, you know, he's he's associating himself with people that are saying this mm-hmm. and he is saying things. But um, you got to be careful because this country, a huge, huge interest industry here is the military industry. It's like right. the only thing we produce anymore. Is yeah. Bullets, bombs, guns. Yeah, we're we're gangsters. We're the gangsters of the world. Like we go into other countries, we topple their, you know, governments, and then we establish our own governments who then hire America. us to provide security. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. It's a good book, uh, Confessions of an Economic Hitman by John Perkins. Kind of details that whole idea of I heard about that. how we've built the world's first global empire and done it through Primarily non-military means through a few countries in South America, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. we'll offer uh, Omar Torrijos, you know, in, in Nicaragua and Panama through well, non-military or yeah. through military so, means. No, through non-military. So we'll offer um, these loans to the IMF, International uh-huh. Monetary Fund, to build <laughs> to build infrastructure to bring them up to uh, 21st century standards. We're going to build airports. We're going to build roads. We're going to build hydroelectric dams. But the downside is the average population. Um, constituents there, they don't have a car to drive on the roads. They don't have electricity to benefit from the hydroelectric plant. So it just lifts the standard of living for the dictator and his friends. He takes the loans, and then the people are then on the hook for the interest and the debt of those right. loans. And then we mm-hmm. eventually use the infrastructure that we put in place, these American companies, to extract the resources yes. that we were initially there after. So now the people are on the hook, and they're giving up their natural resources, yes. whether it's mm-hmm. oil, whether it's uh, rubber, whether it's bananas, whatever we want in the first place. And, and the, the game globally is... We have a finite amount of resources mm-hmm. around the earth. It's generally spread out everywhere. Right. So what we, you know, if we're thinking selfishly and, and as an empire, mm-hmm. what we don't want to do is use up our own resources first. Mm-hmm. We want to use up their resources first. Right. So that's why we're over there supporting dictators in all these little countries that should be self, they should have self-determination. Mm-hmm. But we're over there building, the like Ronnie's saying, he said it perfectly, we're building infrastructure, then they owe us money, mm-hmm. and we're propping up their dictators. And um, 
extracting their resources at a great deal, you right. know, probably, or just the fact that we get the resources without having to compete, you know, with anyone else. Yeah. Remember um, Gaddafi in Libya? Yeah. So we sent, we sent yeah. humanitarian assistance to Gaddafi. So I like to joke and say Gaddafi woke up dead. It's like Gaddafi was selling Libya's oil, which is 2% of the world's oil, and getting paid in gold instead of dollars. So the dollar is the world reserve currency. When any country in the world, <laughs> when anybody buys oil, they have to pay in dollars. And if they yeah. don't, they wake yeah. up dead. So Gaddafi was selling Libya's oil out the back door to India and China and getting paid in gold. And America was like, yeah, that doesn't work for us. Yeah, so to explain that a little more, um, cash, uh-huh. dollar bills, is what is paid for oil um, because it's a stable currency. Yeah. And now the euro is fighting for it as well. But um, cash gets literally physically exchanged, as I understand it, to uh, outside of the United States right. because these countries are hoarding piles of cash to pay for their oil. Mm-hmm. So what we're doing, it's basically like little checks uh-huh. that never come back. Right. The money goes out there and it never comes back. So we, we get to invent money here and spread it out into the world and then they're using it to buy. I was just gonna energy. say, what are they buying that? Like if you're if I'm in, you know, so and so's palace in Saudi Arabia, what am I gonna do with a trillion dollars in cash in front of me? I'm not gonna be able to flip this for nothing. You know? So <laughs> Like, how are they going to spend They invested it? in real estate here. Yeah. They reinvested in... anything with, yeah. with cash. They US own a ton of shit anywhere. Yeah. To is that why they're going 100 miles an hour in Beverly Hills down the street? <laughs> oh, yeah. You yeah. go to Panama and the, U- the national currency is the U.S. dollar there because we collapsed their currency. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah. We, we run shit. We're gangsters. Let's, we're, we're, we're the opposite yeah. of the bike lobby. Okay. We're, we're so gangsters. tying all this back. To <laughs> this this you guys is went why we're way you want, This you want, is why I'm I'll tie here, it guys. back. I'll tie it back right now. Let him. He's swinging it around. The bicycle is the solution to world peace. Boom. Because oh. if we all started riding bicycles instead of consuming gasoline and all these resources, we wouldn't have to be over there plundering other people's lands. We could just ride bicycles. It'd certainly be a start. <laughs> I think that's a start. There's a book called The World Peace Diet, and it's about veganism. So I think veganism yeah. coupled with uh, the bike is like you're no longer having to, you know, uh, factory farm all these these animals oh, yeah. and hmm. use excessive amounts of water just for one pound of ground beef. Trust me, I love my steak. I, I love so in and out, in and out as much I as do. else. But Chick Fil A is amazing. There is a complaint. I stopped argument. eating meat uh, 10, yeah. 11 years Are ago. You really, you're vegan? I'm not vegan. I'm pescatarian. Okay. I eat fish. Okay, seafood. dude, I love the fish. I don't eat fish, but, but hardly fish. ever. Hardly ever. I'm mostly vegetarian. Yeah, there's compelling arguments made for it. Bikes and pescatarian. Yeah. <laughs> I like the jokes because fish, they don't have souls, you know? Um, They do. They do. My mom used to make a funny joke when I first started. She's Mm -hmm. like, well, you know, it's going to take like 100 fish lives to equal the same amount of protein as one cow. So how does that work? Yeah. 100 lives lost for one life? I don't Uh think so. That's funny. That's funny. That's good. So tying it back again. um, He did. What are you talking about? (laughs) I'm tying it even more so because Uh we should start wrapping. Um Long story Rapping? short, my yeah. name is Don, and the fuzz don't like me. I got oh, no, no. He's so, wheels. You know, you, you've Wayne's talked you a little a bit about. <laughs> I mean, it just seems like this entire journey for you has been incredibly transcending, but it's definitely been a, been a struggle from lobbying politicians to you know 
garnering all these people to show solidarity, you know, against it and run drivers and, you know, um, worrying about where you're going to get funding and getting permits taken away two days before. You don't, you know, your background is in skateboarding and BMXing. You don't ride a fixed gear bike per se or mm-hmm. race it. So why do all of this? Like why, why go through the, through the stress and the, and the trouble of hosting these community events for all of these people to enjoy? Um, so growing, I'm born and raised two blocks from here okay. in, in Hollywood and, uh, just growing up around like sort of the street, street art, mm-hmm. graffiti kind of thing, being surrounded by skateboarding and all that stuff. Uh, the street art scene is highly competitive. It's gangster, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it's it's uh, you know, it, it's just it's it, to me it just was this negative. Like it, there's a lot of positive things, and the art is beautiful, okay. and, and there are great friendships. But there's also knuckleheads, and way too many of them, and yeah. Uh, Way too much violence, way too much competition, you know, um, it's a crime, you know, right. those things, like, it's just a negative sort of thing at the end of the day, in my opinion. Okay. And, uh, I was actually like at the point of like, I kind of want to move from LA. Like I've now, you know, gotten into this other thing, web design, and Mm -hmm. I can actually do something. And, um, then I discovered this you know, bikes in this community and it's been this whole new LA, this mm-hmm. whole new positive loving LA. And there is, there's still the underdog thing, which is always going to be something that I'm into. Right. And, uh, the, just the, the kind of people that you meet, like all three of you guys, like, mm-hmm. you know, like backgrounds of every possible background is involved, you know? And, uh, they all, Unite around this bicycle and being vulnerable on the street in the car capital of the world. Mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. It's interesting. That is very interesting. It's uh, it's something that I grew into that I didn't expect coming, and that's the cycling community here in LA. I had no idea what to expect. I never thought about riding a bike till I moved here. For me, it was only a form of transportation. As soon as my bike mechanic said, yo, there are other people that ride these fixed gear bikes too. You know, you should check them <laughs> out. I was like, great. And I was that guy that would show up to a ride. They say the ride meetup is at 8.30. I show up at 8 o'clock thinking I'm on time. Nobody shows up till 9.30. <laughs> you bike know? time, baby. Bike time. And I'm just like <laughs> kind of waiting. But I still enjoyed the community. I still enjoyed what the best yeah it was something i never it was like it was like a rabbit hole almost it's like how deep can this go you know <laughs> you gotta go to the church of fun to really see where it goes where's the church of fun? <laughs> what's the church of fun <laughs> the church of fun is uh it's like a it's a church okay a former church that um the angelopes group i'd call it uh moved in there and there's they just build bikes. They do all kinds of crazy. Wow. They're artists. They're, okay. they're makers. They're welders. And um, they dumpster dive. They live proudly off the garbage of society. Wow. And, and they do it hugely cheaply. And um, That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, it's, it's part of the whole Midnight Riders family. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, we have our Salton Sea retreat where we blow up a car and... <laughs> nice, nice. Salvation Mountain. Yeah, it's right near there, actually. So. Yeah, that's great. 
Well, great, great. One last question, Don, before we let you go. When's the next Wolfpack event? Yeah. Um, That's what everybody's asking. Everybody feels like this is the last one. People don't want to think that this is the last one. I don't want to think it's the last one. I thought it was the last one, but everybody Mm -hmm. really wants another one. And um, like I said, I I went to Interbike. I talked to a bunch of the bike companies. I don't know. The bike industry, by my estimation, is starving. Like, they don't have any money. So either that or they just don't like us. But the ones that do have come through, and we really appreciate them, like I said. But we need we need some kind of a – we need a rock star games because mm-hmm. we're producing races. It's not an office park crit. If I was going to do an office park crit, I could produce that. Yeah. Know? But it would be in an office park, and it just wouldn't be – it would be like – it's just not – I don't know. It's not cool. I don't want right. to do it. So I want to do something big. I want to go big. I always go big. Mm-hmm. And um, if I can't, then – the next the next Wolfpack event will be the uh, ten year anniversary second Monday of November the All City Century mm-hmm. so start training okay Monday night ten p.m. we're gonna bring that back we used to do it on the we used to do it on the anniversary of Wolfpack okay every year we do a hundred miles in L A um, starting at ten p.m. at Tangs wow and wow. cover starting all the corners starting at 10 p.m yeah jesus when do you and when does that end if you uh, start at 10 like at tues- six in the morning tuesday morning yeah like uh-huh. around f- four or five you know some of the fastest riders would be four o'clock right right um i'd usually get in around five or six right right but yeah that was the, we would get like a hundred people showing up wow yeah, it was so fun and hit every corner i'm going to declare this we're going to see you at uh at Civic Center. Civic Center. <laughs> yeah. So, what thanks. date? Thank hey, what date? We need to talk to It's going to be July. I feel like July. Ciclavia? Ciclavia. Mm-hmm. We need to talk to them. They have a route downtown October 9th. I already applied for a permit of a day. It's been denied because of Ciclavia. But it's downtown. We could nest the race inside of the Ciclavia road oh. closure. It would not cost them any more money. And I'd be able to produce that race. All right. Wow. You heard it here, Ciclavia. From your yeah. mouth to God's ears. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. So contact Ciclavia and ask them. I know a guy. His name is Clark. Clark. Clark Miranda. Clark, you know Clark? Yeah, he's yeah. one of our volunteers. He's okay. the best. Okay, cool. Yeah, he works with them. Yeah. Yeah. I've talked to <laughs> I've talked to a bunch of people over there. Yeah. Um, Tafari Bain has been trying to help me. So. Uh-huh. Okay. But, yeah. I don't know. So We'll get it together. Either there or we're going to do Riverside. And I have a meeting with Pasadena tomorrow. Oh, no kidding. There were some folks from Pasadena. The Dirty Dina. (laughs) I'd love to do one in their Civic Center. Yeah. And maybe it's just the Civic Center crit moves to Pasadena. The Rose Bowl would be sick, too. No. Rose Bowl Bowl is like the Dodger Stadium. It's just a big crater. Uh I want it to be in an urban setting. Come on. Right, right. That's really what I want. If not, if I can get the Rose Bowl for free or something. I like how you're holding on to that, though. You have something that you want, and if you can't get it, then it's not happening. And I think that's important because, like, you're not just settling for anything. You're like, yo, I have a purpose, and that's government buildings. Like, I enjoy, like, the, I've been to a couple of the courtrooms in Pasadena. Urban court. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I, I think those i want beautiful buildings right my races yeah right and so yeah well anyways don thanks for your time don thank you thanks guys i really appreciate talking to you because you have been such a strong pillar in the industry here you've been a strong pillar in the cycling community and um it's like i said you know you're just you were just a name like just floating through the streets you know and like (laughs) i swear 
I swear, <laughs> like to me, you know, you don't know anybody. You're like, is it Yo. accompanied by any sounds like? Yeah, you just hear like big stomping, like douche, douche, douche. But nah, man, I'm really glad to like get to the bottom of like the core of what Wolfpack is. You know, the Wolfpack hustle, how it started. I'm sorry I was never able to make it to one of the rides and get a sticker, but I'm sure you'll hook me up with one. And so cool, cool. I love giving out stickers. I always give out stickers. That you don't have to earn that at the ride. And you so, want the spoke card? You got to hang out for a year. Three stickers. <laughs> 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 Drive on, Don. Thanks, cool. man. Cool, quiet, man. Thank you. <laughs>